Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and narrator, Springheel Jack. And as always, I'd like to take this time to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Your support, your reviews, and your patronage mean the world to me, and I genuinely appreciate it. If you're easily offended, and this is your first time listening, I would encourage you to find a different show to listen to and spare me the negative reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts. With no more further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome, brave souls, to the ominous sixth chapter of our haunting 31-part Halloween special on Anthology of Horror. I am your host, as always, spring Jack, and tonight we reach a pivotal moment in our descent into darkness. As we prepare to unveil the chilling conclusion of the vampire's promise by the esteemed Carolyn B. Cooney, the shadows around us seem to quiver with anticipation. The mysteries of immortality, forbidden desires, and the allure of the undead are about to be unraveled in a climax that will leave you breathless. But before we delve into the abyss, we have a haunting request for you, dear listeners. If you've been captivated by the sinister tales we've spun, if the darkness has ensnared your senses, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your words are like incantations that summon kindred spirits to our haunted realm. And speaking of realms, explore our latest offering, the new merch, Featuring my very own haunting mugshot. This collector's item is a testament to your journey through the unknown and is available exclusively at AOHPmerch.com. Don't let this opportunity vanish like a wraith in the night. But fortunately for you and unfortunately for me, the journey is far from over. We have 25 more nights of spine-tingling stories to unveil, and we invite you to return daily as we continue to unravel new tales that are guaranteed to haunt your dreams. So as we stand on the precipice of terror, remember to keep tuning in every day, for the night conceals its darkest secrets, and we're here to reveal them, one chilling episode at a time. In high school bowl practice, Devney asked the only question that really mattered. How do you kill a vampire, she said. Nobody blinked an eye. They were used to an assortment of study topics from chemistry to famous dancers, so the subject of how to off a vampire seemed only normal. I'm not sure, said Mrs. Court with a frown of uncertainty. I believe it's necessary to put a stake through its heart. Trey said, you carry a cross when you do it. And chew garlic, added William. Devney had not expected any of these answers. Have you had any experience with this, she asked. 
No, said Trey, but that's why houses lots of times have wooden doors with crosses on them. Devney wasn't certain if she had ever seen a door with a cross on it. Wood molding, explained William, in the shape of a big T or a cross. That way the vampire can't get in the door. Devney's mouth fell open. Trey laughed at her. Mrs. Court stuck to the ever-essential subject of high school bowl questions. Every now and then, they do ask questions on superstition and myth. Where is Transylvania? What is voodoo? Which mummies escaped their tombs? Who wrote Jekyll and Hyde? So on and so forth. Superstition and myth, thought Devney. I should be so lucky that he is nothing more than superstition and myth. She felt the vampire tapping at her skull and did not let him in. Force of mind could keep him out. It was only when she was weakened, lowered her guard, or had wishes and yearnings and aches for things to be different. Only then could the vampire come in. There was nothing now that Devney wanted except to be free of him and have her mother be safe. Not much, she thought. Oh no, not much. Just life and breath and family. She certainly didn't think much of the suggestions of the high school bowl team. Chew garlic, please. The vampire stank of swamps and putrid gases already. He wouldn't even notice garlic. Wear a cross? Ugh. That was possible, she supposed, but Devney felt she should not stand behind the symbol of a god that she had never trusted. She had not asked God for beauty and brains. She had asked the vampire. It would be slimy now, wouldn't it, to back up and say, Well, I really believe in you all the time. Give me your cross. Take care of me. And as for the stake through the heart, why, most of the time the vampire's body wasn't even there, and his body had no heart. It was the collected shadows of the dead, wrapped in his evil cloak. Trey. Yeah. Remember you mentioned a creepy girl used to live in my house before me? Trey and William both shuddered. Oof, was she ever weird, said Trey. No wonder she was weird, thought Devney. I'm feeling pretty weird myself right now. Whatever happened to her? The boy shrugged. She just disappeared one day. She used to date a guy in this school. He graduated. Her parties were legend. Everybody wanted to go up into that tower and she would never let them. Trey laughed. She told her boyfriend that the shutters were haunted. William laughed too. I remember that now. If she said her house was haunted or her tower, you could believe that. Such a spooky house. But shutters? Do ghosts really live in slats? There was space between the two sets of shutters. Was that some kind of a vampire's tomb? A tomb of darkness on the inside and light on the outside? A tomb with access to towers and skies? A tomb from which shadows cast long black paths? What was her name, said Devney. Nobody could remember the creepy girl's name. Do you guys ever go up into the tower? William wanted to know. It's my bedroom. No kidding, you sleep there? William put a finger in his mouth for gagging on, and Devney managed to laugh. My bed is up there too, but no. Nobody could sleep there. Too much going on. What with the ghosts and the haunts and the banging shutters and the vampires, I get very little rest. The boys smiled, and Mrs. Court dragged out another set of quiz questions. French history. Talleyrand and Mitterrand, Charlemagne and Charles de Gaulle. Devney, of course, knew them all. What famous building did the people of Paris destroy at the beginning of the French Revolution, said Mrs. Court. The Bastille, said Devney. This is what it would be like, she thought, if they substituted computers for brains. You would know how to pronounce it and spell it, what it looks like, the date it came down. You would spew out the answer like a laser printer. But it wouldn't be yours, it would be the computer's. I want to put the facts inside my brain myself. I want to give Victoria back her mind. 
Devney faced the fact that she did not want to give Arissa back her beauty. Either I take the vampire's evil gifts, or I don't, she thought. I can't decide that half of it's evil and the other half is nice, and I'm hanging on to it. She wondered what the creepy girl had given to, or taken from the vampire, and where she was now, safe and well, or one of the shadows beneath his cloak. Was the cloak filled by the shadows of girls like Devney, who once had taken the bus, done homework, gone to basketball games, and made a fatal wish? There would be no more wishes for Devney Fountain. She would never use that word again. What famous edifice in Paris was erected for a world's fair, said Mrs. Court. The Eiffel Tower, said William. The three team members smiled at one another. They were good. I hope we win over Durham High, said Trey. They whooped our ass last time. I can't stand being whooped. I think we will, said William. Devney was fabulous against Roosevelt High. Oh, I know we will, said Mrs. Court. Between the three of you, you seem to have everything covered. In another life, at another time, Devney would have spoken out loud, adding her own thoughts. Devney's sentence would have begun with two words she was determined never to touch again. I wish we would win. What a contrast to the others. They hoped, or thought, or knew. They didn't wish. Be careful of wishes, thought Devney. They might just come true. Are you ready to dive deeper into the abyss of horror, darkness, and all things that go bump in the night? Well, look no further than the Anthology of Horror Podcast Network, your gateway to the macabre and the mysterious. But first, let's talk a little bit about our other creators on the network. Scary Jerry, our resident guide to the eerie unknown, hosts not one, but two spine-chilling shows. First up, we have Dark Side of the Nerd, where Jerry explores the darkest corners of nerd and geek culture, revealing the shadows lurking beneath your favorite fandoms. Think you know every beloved franchise? Ha ha. Think again. Jerry uncovers the dark side of it all. And if that's not enough to send shivers down your spine, Jerry's got a little something extra for you with Demented Darkness. Brace yourself for horrifying stories written by Jerry himself including his spine-tingling sequel to The Death Valley Man. Trust me, you won't want to listen to this one alone. But wait, there's more. Ever wanted to laugh your dick off while embracing the dark and edgy side of gaming? Look no further than Foxhound43 streaming on Rumble. He's your hilarious video game streamer and the good-natured edgelord you never knew you needed. Prepare to laugh as you follow his epic gameplay adventures. And now for our newest addition to the network, we present Crypt of Horror, hosted by the charismatic Wolf Dan. Here we delve into all things related to horror entertainment, movies, books, music, games, and beyond. If you're a horror aficionado, this show is going to be your go-to. But that's not all, my fellow fear seekers. We've just unleashed a limited edition t-shirt to celebrate our Halloween special, featuring the infamous mugshot of none other than myself, Springheel Jack. This design is a collector's dream, if I do say so myself. But beware, quantities are limited and this shirt will vanish into the night come November the 1st. Visit our merch shop now at aohpmerch.com to secure your piece of horror podcast history. So whether you're a fan of the eerie unknown, a nerd with a dark side, a horror enthusiast, or just looking for a good scare, the Anthology of Horror Podcast Network has you covered. 
rate us five stars, share with your fellow thrill seekers, and join us for more tales that are guaranteed to haunt your dreams. Devney entered the house with a spring in her step. She felt not just beautiful and not just brilliant, but also strong, clever, and tough. She bounded into the big front hall. Mom, she called. There was no answer. The house seemed much darker inside than usual. Devney stood very still. Mom. The house was filled with faint sound, fluttering here, rasping there, creaking above, and hissing below. Mom, shouted Devney. Her mother's voice was soft as a flute. I'm in the tower, darling. Devney took the stairs two at a time. Halfway up, she was smothered in a tapestry of black. Choking, pushing it away from her face, she kicked at it. It swirled around her legs, caught her hair, tilted her head back as if to strangle her. Trying to back out, said the vampire. His cloak was ice water, lowering the temperature, lowering her resistance. Are you trying to retreat, said the vampire. His glass eyeballs were not in their sockets. His fingernails were not on his hands. His parts shifted and slithered and stank. Mom, screamed Devney. I'm up here, darling. I made the loveliest wish and it came true. The vampire's giggle was like bubbles underwater. She had the sense that she could bottle him, like seltzer, swamp-flavored. I'm going to be hysterical, thought Devney. I can't fall apart, not now. Mom, come downstairs, now. Her mom did not answer. Devney's own shadow melded with the shadows in the vampire's cloak. She could not tell where hers left off and his began. Give me back my shadow, she cried. There is no giving or taking with a shadow, said the vampire. There is merely light and dark. Your shadow seems to be part of the dark, my dear. You have lost it. And shortly, very shortly, your mother will lose hers as well. No, she won't. You can't. Stop this. She's my mother. Victoria had a mother. Arissa had a mother. You didn't seem to worry about them. I don't quite see the difference. Well, I was wrong, whispered Devney. I'm sorry. Please undo it. Take back the beauty. Take back the brains. Let me have my mother, please. You'll have your mother, my dear. She'll just be a little... different. What did she wish for? screamed Devney. Hand over her mouth. I don't want my mother any different, she thought. I love my mother the way she is. That's not what you said before, said the vampire. I distinctly recall how fervently you wished for a better family. More interesting. Slender, attractive, socially acceptable. I was wrong. I didn't mean any of it. But you did mean it, said the vampire, and he was right. Devney knew he was right. She had meant it. She had made the wish. And the wish had been strong. I learned a lesson, said Devney desperately. Human beings usually do, agreed the vampire, just a little too late, that's all. He smiled and the smile grew from a tiny piece of pleasure to a great gaping cave of fangs and dripping eagerness. Not my mother, pleaded Devney. The vampire did not speak again. His cloak swirled, closing in on him like a container. If only she could rope him, handcuff him, smash him, but the wind tunnel of his leaving sent her staggering backwards down the stairs, struggling just to breathe, let alone fight. He faded before her very eyes, and when the door to the tower stairs opened... There was no hand on the knob. 
No steps on the treads, no cloak wafting in the air. She backed up because she had to. She ran into the kitchen. Of course there was no garlic. Her parents didn't like garlic. There were no steaks. Why would you have a steak in the kitchen? But there was a door, a door with a cross. The powder room door. It was on two hinges, pins stuck down shafts. She tried to remove the pins, but they did not budge. She tried to jerk the door off anyway, but accomplished nothing. She ran back into the kitchen, found the toolboxes. People who were remodeling had tools everywhere. She grabbed a screwdriver and a hammer, raced back to the door, sticking the pointed end of the screwdriver on the bottom of the pin and hammering upside down to get the pin out. It was awkward, it was difficult, and it took a long time. How long would the vampire take to... She could not bear to think of it, not her mother. At last, the pin came out. The door hung stupidly on one hinge. She got the other pin out, and the door fell on her. It was solid wood, and very, very heavy. How can I ever carry this thing, thought Devney, up two flights of stairs? I don't think so. Sobbing, she staggered through the kitchen and into the hall, dragging the door after her. It has to go ahead of me, she thought. The cross has to break through. But it was too much for her to lift. What am I doing, she thought, tears spattering her cheek. Mom, she screamed. Mom, are you all right? There was no answer. There was nothing at all. The silence of the house was as complete as death. I wish, thought Devney, and made a dying, whimpering sound. I don't wish. I... She clung to the edges of the door. No wishes. I am. I do not wish to be strong. I am strong. She lifted the door. She balanced it, tilted it, and somehow, pointing it like a ship's prow, got it up the first set of stairs. No velvet cloak blocked the way. No smothering swamp air suffocated her. She stood the door up on its end and opened the tower door. She was panting and she was sweating, and the door weighed as much as an SUV. One more flight, she said to herself, then I'll be there. She went up, pressing her body against the right wall and sliding the door along the left. She came up into the tower. Sunlight streamed in every window. Shutters, yellow with fresh paint, gleamed like love. Carpet cut into a circle lay like a fluffy lemon on the floor. Mom, whispered Devney, Mom, where are you? Right behind you, said her mother. My goodness, darling, what are you doing with the door? Devney whirled, almost dropping the door. Her mother was standing by the back wall, in white work pants and a sweatshirt. She was holding a big can of plaster, and with a flat trowel was filling in the cracks on the inner walls. I wished, said her mother, before Devney could stop her, for good weather. That's it, said Devney, that was your wish? Her mother smiled, the same old smile, same old face, same old pudgy, huggy body. What else is there, said her mother, I have the best family and the most interesting house in the world. Devney sighed, very, very deeply. Then she sighed again. Why the door, said her mother again. I wanted the door with the cross on it, said Devney. Her mother nodded. It keeps vampires out. Good idea. Devney stared. It keeps vampires out? Her mother giggled. You can never be too careful, Devi. Listen, I just heard Luke come in. Let's all have hot chocolate and brownies. Her mother set down the plaster and the trowel and wiped her hands on her pants. I'll go heat up the milk, she said, while you hang your door. Her mother clattered down the stairs, and Devney looked around the tower. It was all light, all sun, all diamonds and freshness. There was no trace of things dark and cruel. She did not exchange doors. She leaned the cross door up against the shutters, even though it blocked out some of the sun, 
the tower stayed cheery and warm. I'm not sure I needed the cross, she thought. I just needed the character. I was weak. I thought somebody had to give me things or I had to take them from people who owned them. Now I'm strong. I know I have to get things myself and not wish for them. He cannot come where wishes do not whisper, so there will be no more whispering for me. I am Devney Fountain, said Devney out loud. I am strong, and I am also sorry, and I am going to try to give back what I stole. She looked at her feet. Yes. The sun that came in the window cast a shadow behind her where it belonged. The outlines of the shadow were firm and clear. But there was no substance to the shadow. It was nothing a vampire could collect. It was just part of her. Mom's right, thought Devney. The only thing to wish for is lovely weather. She opened one of the windows and leaned out. It was cold, but crisp and healthy. Arissa, she yelled. Victoria. She filled her lungs with good clean air. Arissa. Victoria. The vampire had said that human beings learned their lesson, but always too late. Was it too late to return what she had stolen from Arissa and Victoria? It's here, shouted Devney. It's yours. Ask for it. Hope for it. Demand it and take it. Just don't wish for it, she thought. And she was laughing and the laugh was sweet and generous. And if there was any dark path in the yard around the mansion, it was dissolved by Devney's laugh. Dev, yelled her brother, come on, the chocolate's ready. She did not look in the mirror as she left the room. Being beautiful or being ordinary no longer mattered the way that it had. What mattered was that she was Devney Fountain, and her family was wonderful, and her house was interesting. So down the stairs she clattered. How ordinary were the sounds of her house, her mother's voice, her brother's chair scraping, a spoon banging on a pot. That's what's beautiful, thought Devney, ordinary things. She danced into the kitchen. Her mother had put marshmallow fluff on the hot chocolate. Devney loved fluff. Life with fluff was good. Fluff stuck to her lips and she licked at it. You look like a dork, said her brother affectionately. Devney laughed. She does look different, agreed her mother. Mother and brother studied Devney, heads tilted, struggling to analyze. You look happy, said her mother. I don't have beauty, thought Devney, feeling it leave, feeling it returning to Arissa, who needed it so much more. I don't have brains, thought Devney, feeling that leave too, returning to Victoria, who had been kind even without it. But I have love and I have happiness. In school tomorrow, I'll find out if that's enough. But I'm strong now, and I think, yes, that will be enough. As the midnight hour approaches and the echoes of our latest tale fade into the darkness, I must bid you a rebidurchi from this chilling episode of Anthology of Horror, but fear not for the night is long. And I promise you that we'll be back tomorrow with yet another macabre story. 
However, before we part ways, we have a few sinister secrets to share. If you've been ensnared by our tales of the supernatural, remember to share the darkness with your fellow thrill seekers. Rate our show. And be sure to subscribe for more spine-tingling episodes that await. And for those who wish to make a statement, our limited edition Halloween t-shirt featuring Springheel Jack's haunting mugshot, that's me, beckons from the depths of our merch store. This collector's item is only available for the month of October, so don't let it vanish into the night. But the journey continues and we have 25 more nights of eerie stories to unveil. Join me daily as we explore the shadows and reveal new horrors lurking in the corners of our haunted domain. So now as I step away from the microphone and I let the darkness reclaim its throne, remember that the night holds its secrets close. And we're here to unveil them one terrifying episode at a time. So until we meet again, my fellow thrill-seeking motherfuckers, may your dreams be haunted by the echoes of our tales, and of course, please always remember to stay spooky. Across my shame, all the torment and the pain leaked through and covered me. I do anything ever to myself, just to have it for myself. Now I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. i